With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Over the past 17 years, I have gotten to meet some of the best and brightest and most memorable people that Nebraska has to offer. And if, if it would have just been me gallivanting around the state, meeting great people for my own enjoyment, well, <laughs> that would have been awesome in and of itself. But the fact that I have gotten to share all of these unique personalities with you, the viewers, well, that has really elevated this experience to a whole new level. <laughs> wow. deep, Lance. Thank you for taking me back to the most emotional night ever on TV. My gosh, that was that's three years ago. And it makes me sweat already. <laughs> well, there's no need to sweat. This is the uh, this. You're not on the redcast. You're on the the fan forum, and the and this is all fun and, and games. And we're just talking about you know good things. And and redcasters out there, uh, we want to welcome Lance Schwartz uh, to the to the forum. Uh, Lance is a, a buddy of mine for 25 years. I've, I've started working with him back in my college days at the Instructional Design Center on campus. Uh, now the Pixel Lab. And, uh, you know, when I worked with you, you were with Husker Vision, which I think we'll get into as part of this discussion. But, uh, you know, first off, let me just welcome you. I guess, where are my manners? Welcome to the forum, Lance. Thank you, Matthew. It is good to be here. I have so enjoyed your Husker friendship throughout the years. And I'm so happy that things are going so well for you and your guys and spreading that Husker love far and wide. Yep. Well, and, and that's what this is about. And I, you know what? I just want to jump into the first question right away. And we'll do this. And uh, then I think we'll kind of start to break down uh, the, the the history of our friendship and our, our fandom. So let's start with question number one. Why are you a Husker fan? <laughs> that's a pretty easy one. That's the, the lob to get me going. Yeah. And I will tell you, Fall City, Nebraska is where it all started. And... Uh, I can't even remember a time really where it was a decision like, hmm, Iowa State, KU. No, it was all Huskers all the time. My dad, uh, he was a Husker, and there was never a doubt that I was going to be a Husker too. And and it continued on through, and there was never a doubt that I was going to go to um, that I wasn't going to go to UNL and be a Husker in you know in Lincoln. So. Not not a question ever as to the fact that why am I a Husker fan? Because I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you picked a pretty good time to go to UNL too, right? That was an early A scoring explosion. I mean, talk about the time, uh, you know, during your those college years, what that was like to be there. Yeah, I got to Lincoln in 1983. And you may have heard of this, you know, scoring explosion, mm-hmm. Mr. Gill and Rogier and Fryer, it was like, wow, that's pretty sweet just to have tickets to those games. And all we did was score and score and score again. And so 
Yeah, I, I thought we were going to get ourselves a national championship or two in the 80s. That didn't work out, but it sure was some fun football to watch. Mm -hmm. Now, that's actually my very first year where I remember everything from the kickoff classic, 44 to 6 against Penn State. I remember every single game, the 84 to 13 destruction of, of Minnesota on the road, 21 points in every quarter, uh, you know, all the way down to uh, the tears that flowed after the, the two-point conversion game. My, my oh. mom talked about me oh. going back to school in first grade and I'm crying at school and they couldn't figure out why. And it was eventually, well, Matthew's, Matthew's still thinking about the game. Oh, ouch. Yeah, that, that two-point conversion. Yeah, that ball bouncing off of Jeff Smith. Mm. Kenny Calhoun knocked it away, I believe. That was the guy's name. And oh, just brutal. Brutal. But yeah. but the, the stoicness of, of Coach Osborne to go for the two, go for the win. Uh it's something that uh, you know I know it earned him national respect for that certainly earned uh this kid's respect here. Um yes. so you know we we meet up and we meet up in another great time of Husker football, and that's in the mid-90s. And uh we're at the instructional design center. Uh here's a, a photo. So we've had Amy on, she's part of our Husk girls and she's been on uh, the show. Oh, it was back in April. I think we did it. And of course, Amy worked with both of us there at the, at the design center. And so here's a photo of you and her there. She also sent me another photo and to show how much I mean, uh, this photo has me cut off on the left side. <laughs> <laughs> There's our friend Doug and we have Jeff there too. And, uh, so, uh, it was a great group of people, great group, uh, the design center, Ken led it and, we had Mike and Orville, just really talented people. It was a lot of fun working there. But at that time that we were working there, you were also working with another very special group of talented people, and that was over in Husker Vision. And being that you were part of kind of getting it started, tell you know tell the viewers a little bit about what that was like at that time. Yeah, it worked out really well because um, I was out at NTV in Kearney doing sports on the weekends, and so I got the chance to come back to Lincoln in 1994 and I who knew what was going to happen with Husker Vision and the big screens and I lucked out because a uh, high school teacher of mine named Judy Carter her uh, her brother was Jeff Schmall so it was serendipitous that uh, while I was working with you at the teachers college I also got the opportunity to get started with Husker Vision and it was a glorious time. I don't think, obviously, anybody knew just exactly, you know, the span that we were going to go through in the 90s. But, man, to be able to be right there on the sideline, Matt, it was 73 straight home games that I was uh, on camera, too. And can I tell you, never got old. No. I mean, every week. I would just look forward to I'm racing to the game and and I'm on camera, too, which meant I was usually on the camera that went up and down the sideline on the pickup. Hmm. And it, there is nothing in this world like me getting the chance to to see Tommy Frazier to Reggie Ball. And I track it and then I sit back and then me and seventy six thousand. We watched that play on the big screens they weren't <laughs> as big as the big screen now but holy buckets there's nothing like that i yeah. just 
every darn week. I couldn't wait to think what play, what highlight of mine is going to be right up there. And I'm going to watch it with all of my friends. You know, and you know, for the younger Redcast and forumers, I guess I, I should say, for the younger ones out there that aren't familiar with that time, I mean, this was very unique. This was, nobody else was doing this. We were the first school in the country to, to put the big screens up. And so when, when it was being presented to you, even the option, I mean, were you kind of blown away that, that we're trying to do this? I mean, had you heard anything like this being done? No. And like you say, the first college only venue in America, which is kind of mind blowing when you stop and think about it, but it was the early nineties and thank goodness we had a guy like Bill Byrne who really did see well into the future. He is a visionary type and, uh, he got things going and I, I couldn't have been luckier than to get on early in the whole Husker vision process. Well, you think about that in the history of Nebraska, you know, we've won so many football games and, and one of the winningest pro programs. And we come from this small populated state. We don't have the mountains. We don't have the, the oceans and you have to create your own competitive advantages. And over the years, coach Osborne would do that with strength and conditioning. We'd do it with nutrition. And that was kind of, the nineties way of doing it was technology. We're going to use Husker vision and what a competitive advantage it was. And you mentioned a, a person who was very involved with getting it started, Jeff Schmall. And I think that, you know, I'd like to show a little video here and then it'd be nice to kind of talk about Jeff and what his contributions were early on. Jeff Schmall made his 1011 sports anchoring debut in 1979. Heisman trophy winner. I think probably one of the first thrills was being around people who I'd been watching grow up on TV. I mean, it was Mel Maines, it was Bob Taylor, it was Mark Ahman, and now I'm right there in the midst of it. Many of Jeff's 14 years at 1011 were spent teaming up with Dick Janda. Yeah, Dick was my mentor. A special bonus for Jeff was getting to cover sports in his hometown. One of the most dominant figures in the city of Grand Island each fall. Is in 1993, Jeff left 1011 to help build Husker Vision, literally from the ground up. 1011 gave me the training, and we were the first college stadium to put big screens in our own stadium. That was very, very gratifying. Jeff allowed me to join him at Husker Vision in the spring of 94. Well, the thing I remember about you, Lance, was, and that and it was similar to me, and that was passion. Passion. Yeah, there is no doubt about it. I owe Jeff so much. And uh, he passed away a few years ago, and may he rest in peace. But that man, he gave me some great opportunities to live out my dream. It's kind of a dream I didn't even realize was a possibility. But, man, I was working with you at Teachers College, but uh, just about as soon as 4.30 came, I was headed to the stadium, you know, and it was like, to get the opportunity, there were a number of days where I wasn't getting paid to do what I did. And <laughs> it was okay because I was living out my dream, getting to talk to these larger than life personalities that were just winning and winning and winning. And, and yeah, getting to, uh, getting to be in that, uh, that place where Husker vision was first starting. It was so exciting. I remember the fans like, Oh my gosh, you know, they, they couldn't wait to pregame. And when we did number one, it really meant we're number one and it was <laughs> glorious. And yeah, it was good. And I know one of my favorite parts, Matt, of, 
uh, working with you and the guys there at the Instructional Design Center, every week I got to share what I called the psych-up tapes. The psych-up tapes. What an opportunity. Still, Dr. Jack Stark was the performance psychologist, and he hired me to do weekly psych-up tapes. And I have to believe that ACDC was thinking of me when they wrote Thunderstruck. Guns N' Roses created, uh, well, most of their songs, but especially Welcome to the Jungle. That was for psych-up tapes for Husker football. And so I'd spend all night putting these together. And then I, still crazy, I got to go in the locker room, like me, camera guy. I And, you know, I'd see Ron Brown giving the pregame talk, and then they'd say, Lance, let's do it hit play and the, the players are watching my psych up video, which included a bunch of big hits and everything and music. And we'll see some more when you get Grant and the, the Peter boys going there, there was a whole lot of firing up going on. So to be able to do that and, and then I shared them with you. Shh. Yeah, that was, see, that was the best. I, I don't know if I was always working on Fridays, but I always made sure I came around uh, the design center on Friday because, you know, I, I'd be sitting at the desk, I'd be doing something, all of a sudden it'd be like, psst, psst, honky, honky, come here. And I'd come over there and, and there's this video that was just freshly produced. And I know 24 hours or less than 24 hours later, that's going to be shown to the team the second, right before they get out onto the tunnel walk. Mm. And that, that last psych up, that last moment, that that's that, you know, psychology that, uh, you know, Coach Osborne and, and obviously Dr. Jack Stark, as you mentioned, that they were so good at was how do you get your teams to perform at their peak? And, and and some of that was that strength and conditioning we talked about earlier. Some of that's the nutrition that we talked about. And sometimes it's just about getting guys a little bit insane because that's what it takes to play this game. You're going to run head first, you know, straight, well, not head first, hopefully, but you're going to run as fast as you can and as hard as you can into people. You got to be a little loony. And uh, and I think these psych-up tapes help to get them. Um uh. I'm going to show, I've got a couple of them. You can get these off of YouTube here. So I, I'll show them here. But um, here's one from Mark Gilman, uh, one of the captains on, you know, 94 and a great leader there, tight end from, from Montana. And, uh, you know, here's a good one. Think about all the work we put in. Think about this past month, all the hard work. Think about the two-a-day practice in the heat. Think about all the adversity that we faced, you know, people knocking us and talking bad about us and stuff like that. I mean, that got kind of old. Today, we're going to put an end to all that crap. We're going to win the national championship. We're going to win the national championship. I mean, put yourself in the shoes of sitting in that locker room, you know, where, where Coach Osborne later in the day is going to give the, the prophetic halftime speech, you know, put your arms back, guys, nobody be a banny rooster, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, if you just do that, they're going to get a 15-yard penalty at time that's going to kill them. Right before they went out of that locker room before the game, they're watching that. I mean, that's that's got to be. I mean, and and I think from your perspective as a fan, you're on the fan forum here to think that you played a role in the team's performance that night, and you absolutely did. I mean, well, feel pretty good. We were sixty and three, but who's counting? <laughs> and I'm sure I had at least this much to do with it. Mm-hmm. But but that was a cool thing, Matt. Like that. I talked to Mark Gilman. We recorded that on a Tuesday after practice. Those mm-hmm. guys, they had to get into that mindset, that Saturday mindset on Tuesday. So I had time to edit it all together. So it was a fantastic, you know, opportunity 
to get into these guys' heads. And, you know, when those guys are getting all fired up and everything, it's like, oh, my gosh, I get to work into the night, you know, putting mm-hmm. these things together. And so, yeah, there was a lot of psychology that went along with it. And I was so, so darn fortunate to be a part of it. How about when you got to talk with a Nebraska guy like like Phil Ellis here from Grand Island? I love you guys. You know, I'd, I'd give my right nut for you. And I know you guys would give your right nut for me. And that's the attitude we got to go into this game. You know, we got to sell our bodies. We got to sell our souls to win this game for ourselves, for Coach Osborne, for Nebraska. Man. You, you know, <laughs> uh, it was interesting because Grant and Jason and Christian would set that bar so high because these guys would watch it week after week and they're like, okay, you better friggin' bring it. <laughs> Because last week you watched the Peter boys go crazy. And so just like Phil right there, you knew those guys were were considering that an honor to mm-hmm. be on the psych up. And if they were going to be on it, they better get guys ready to run. Yeah, I'd give my left nut for the red cast too. I mean, I, let's just let's just call it as it is. Um, <laughs> another Nebraskan, an Omaha kid, came here to be a quarterback and switched over to the defense, the safety. How about Tony Veland? Well, fellas, here we are again. Same circumstances, playing for the national championship, and they're trying to count us out again. All they want to talk about is Florida. All they want to talk about is Warfield and the fun and gun passing tech. I mean, forget all that stuff. I'm tired of hearing about Florida. I want to hear about some Nebraska stuff. I'm about to break us down right now. We got the best quarterback in the nation. We got a bunch of backs that can run through you or around you. We got an offensive line who has no sacks this year and led us to the Russian title once again. We got receivers who make more pancakes than ain't Jemima and then get touchdowns on you. Now we'll break it down for the defense. For defense, we got the best decent defensive line in the country, shutting everything down the tr- in the trenches. Got rush ends coming around the end and tearing heads off and then got backers and secondary who besides making people dizzy when they come across the middle, score damn near more points than a lot of offenses. I'm telling you, but all we got to do is go out here and uh, just ball like we know we can, play just like we did the last couple years, and it's going to be ours again, back-to-back, baby. We're going down there um, and, and take care of things because come the second in Tempe, it's just going to be Husker Town all day, every day. Ha! Legendary back-to-back. And think about this. We can have all the revisionist history in the world. We can look back on 95 and go, that was the greatest team of all time. But at that moment... There's Lee Corso saying we can't, you know, compete with them on grass. There are people that had us not favored to beat Florida and, and that kind of disrespect. I mean, that's what's going through Tony's mind, I'm sure, as he's talking to the team there is, you know, we know it now how great that team was. But at that moment, that team had to prove it. And a leader like Tony is, you know, leading the team right there right before they're going to go out there on the field. Oh, and what's really cool is Tony V came to – uh that session where we we're interviewing that and you could just see he was his foaming at the mouth just a little bit and it, i kind of loved the vibe i can just watching that i can remember okay it's kind of rappy like i'm breaking it down right here they're doing this and that and it's like it brought this whole new feel and it's like it definitely took the psych up tapes to a different level and whew, people did respond and like you know all day every day and okay. you know that was repeated more oh. than once because the guys were into that. So you said foaming at the mouth, foaming at the mouth. Hmm. You, you mentioned this guy a little earlier. If there's one guy, if there's one guy who's going to be top, you know, hard to top mm-hmm. at a, a, a psych of tape, who would that be? Uh, that would be 
Christian Peter. You know, a lot of people have trying to take us down. When you're up here, everybody tries to take the cheap shots at you, always knocking you down, saying things about your players, saying things about your head coach, the guy who would cut off his arm for any one of us. They're saying bad things about him. Fellas, that ain't right. It ain't gonna happen today, baby. We gotta go out there and show everybody what we can do. Because we are the best team in America. Everyone else is down here. Don't sit on our feet. <laughs> I had to leave that last little piece. I had to. Lance, was there a moment as you're filming some of these? Do you ever get like a little scared, a little worried? A little bit. Yeah. And and Christian Peter, that he set the standard so high. And even then, like a quarter of a century ago, you know, I was thinking, will this ever be topped? Will anyone truly bring that level of intensity to the psych up tapes? And I've never seen it. Like that was off the charts. And frankly, mm-hmm. you know, we've had a, a, a bunch of great guys, obviously, play for the Huskers over the last quarter of century. But I don't think anybody's going to argue other than Grant and Jason. Like nobody has been a leader a fearless friggin' leader like Christian Peter, like all of these teams through the last decade, what if they would have had a Christian Peter? I think in Dominican Sioux, he was getting there and I'll, I wasn't around that close. I didn't know how verbal he was, but guys are scared of Christian Peter. Like you did not want to feel his wrath. And I just pray that someday we're going to get another Christian Peter to lead the big red. Yeah, the, the toughness for sure there. And, you know, so as we go through that, you know, I, I got to meet you, I guess it was about 97. So those those uh, film clips that we showed up to this point, I don't have any more psych of tapes to show, but um, those were a little bit before my time meeting you. Now, when I met you in 97, um, at that point, you know, we're talking about uh, Grant Wishroom, Jason Peters, senior year. So I got to see some of those. I remember very specifically, um it must've been before the Tennessee game and that we wore the red and, mm. and Grant holding the, the Jersey and saying, you know, Hey, hey fellas, we've never lost wearing these shirts. We've never lost wearing a red Jersey. Cause we, we hadn't lost at home during all those guys. It's their four years. Just, that's insane. Profound. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. That, that is good stuff. I mean, it was just like next level intensity. And these guys, it's nuts. They were like, 20, 21, 22 years old, and they were grown men, you know, it <laughs> felt like. Oh, good times. So last one on the psych up tapes here. I remember you telling me one. I don't know if I ever saw it, but was there one? Now, maybe and maybe this is my memory just being foggy. Was there one where you guys went to like a junkyard or something and, and with bats, they were like hitting like an old car? Oh, yeah. They got to the point, you know, year after year, doing a lot of similar things. They started to sound a little similar. So there was there was a melting pot of different minds that were kind of coming together. And it was kind of like, what can jar these guys? What do we need to the shock value and everything? So there were some cars being destroyed, you know, and I it worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Well, let's move on to question number two. Mm. And uh, that is, 
what is your favorite Husker fan memory? Okay, this is uh, this is big, man. I'm going to take you back in time. Okay. Remember January second, nineteen ninety eight. Where were you, Matt Honky? Uh, I was in uh, I was in Theta Xi in my fraternity house at, at Lincoln, and uh, you know, just a couple hours away from marching down to Memorial Stadium and uh, with about two or three thousand other people and uh, celebrating a victory. Yeah. And this, this is beautiful because you ask about me as a fan. Well, this is fa- – I was getting paid to be a fan this night. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, you know, I am the only person ever to be locked in to Tom Osborne's headsets. It was during the 1998 Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was Jeff Schmall who had this big idea. This is Tom's finale the last game of his illustrious 25-year career, we need to see. And I don't know how, but Tom agreed to it. And so my sole job as the Husker Vision camera dude was to shoot video of Tom on the sideline, coming back, talking to coaches, talking to players. And so I was wearing headsets, still kind of crazy even talking about it, like nobody else got to do this because I was listening to Frank upstairs Coach Solich talking to Tom, and I I was standing there on the sideline listening uh, to Frank call plays. He talked to Tom, and it was just like, I thought to myself, is this really happening? Am I listening to this? This is live. <laughs> I'm like, hey, watch this. Reverse pass. <laughs> yep. Touchdown. That was one of the coolest. T- was that? What uh, was that reflection of perfection? No, that would have been 95. I'm trying to think what the name of the, the 97 Tennessee Husker vision tape was. You know, we had like unfinished business. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, four straight big A. You know, all the well, that one I remember watching it. You get, of course, you know, that was every Husker fan in, in, in the state was buying the, the VCR tape, taking it home, and, and running it over and over again. But uh, the, the audio that you're talking about, a couple of things come to my mind. One of them was Milt Teneper, also up there in the in the booth. And we came out against Tennessee. And if you remember, they, they, they threw the whole kitchen sink to stop the run for the first quarter. I mean, 10 guys up, up right on the line of scrimmage. It was hard to move. Um, and it was somewhere around the second quarter. Milt's like, I think we can get a tight end release. I think we can roll out and boom, there's, there's the rollout and the pass to Sheldon Jackson. And it, it proceeded to drive where I think we threw it downfield three times, one time to Matt Davison, one time to, to Bobby Newcomb and, Boom, we score a touchdown. We kind of move – we back them off. And then, you know, by the third quarter, we they're already starting to be uh, worn out. The other one is when they scored that last touchdown at the end, and now we're up, you know, 42 to 7 or 9 or whatever the score was, and Frank saying, I think I think you got one. I think you got it, you know, Coach. And they said something – some long lines of, yeah, I think they got to give it to us. And, of course, they're talking about, you know, the, uh, the coaches poll, that they've got to at least give us one of them. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going. It was 42 to 17. Somewhere over there, Peyton was crying. Sorry, (laughs) Mr. Manning. But Tom needed his 255th win. And that was the moment. I've got all kinds of chills tonight. But uh, when Frank congratulated Tom on his third national championship, like it wasn't hearsay. I didn't hear somebody tell somebody, tell somebody. Frank congratulated Tom 
on the national championship. And just like you said, Frank was like, you deserve this. They're, they they can't help but give you this. Okay. Red, Redcasters, formers out there. This is why I do the fan form and why I want to. I love you got to tell stories for so long with Lance's journal. And I, and I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about Lance's journal in a bit. But this is fun. To, I loved it to be able to get the stories of fans out there. And here, I mean, to talk to somebody in your favorite fan memory is I put the headset on and got to listen to Coach Osborne basically call his last collegiate football game of, of a 255-49-3 Hall of Fame career. That is amazing. That is amazing. I mean, that's... <laughs> I am not going to argue with that. It, the fact that recording psych up tapes of, you know, Christian Peter and Tony Velan and, and the whole bunch, the fact that that doesn't top your list of Husker fan memories just kind of speaks to how cool that is, the experience that you got to have during just an unbelievable era of, of Husker football on top of it. I mean, the, the the combination of those two things coming together, just that's great. Yeah, that's the confluence of some amazing things coming together. And, and wow, I... I I couldn't believe that I actually got to experience it in that way. Trust me, I didn't take it lightly. Even though I was much younger than I am now, I knew that this was pretty darn special. This wasn't the kind of thing that's going to happen over and over. And of course, we've suffered through the last 10 or 15 knowing that this was pretty special stuff. And, and, And man, what an honor it was to be able to take part in it. Mm-hmm. Well, here's our friend Amy saying, yes, I've got the biggest, goofiest grin on my face right now. Hey, girl. Uh, Amy watching out there in uh, Hamilton, Montana, the Bitterroot Mountain area. Nice. Uh, yeah. Jeez, this is this is such a, a travel down memory lane. Loving this. Uh, let's see. What do I want to do next with this? How about, uh, you know what? We'll wait on, on question three. Let's keep talking about Husker athletics and you had this great run with football, but also really proud. Another great dynastic run that we had was in baseball and you got to play a, a big role with that. I want to show a photo here from uh, tell us a little bit about this photo and tell us a little bit about uh, that run and that time frame that you were working with the baseball team. That photo was taken just about a month ago. That is the 20th reunion of the one and the O2 Husker baseball team, and there's my boy Jeff Schmall again hooking me up back in the day, just the turn of the century where Husker baseball was just starting to take off with Dave Van Horn at the helm, and I got to meet some, I look at these faces, and it's like some of the coolest dudes you ever want to be around. They just happen to be great baseball players. You know, they were just good guys in real life, and in 01, as you'll recall, we got to shut down the buck, Buck mm-hmm. Meltzer Field, in a delightfully, you know, amazing way with uh, beating Rice and going to the College World Series for the first time. And, and oh, my gosh, Matt, it was like I, I got to travel. I was the team videographer, and I went approximately 14,000 miles with these guys. I was like a 35-year-old acting like a senior in college. I was like a 14th year senior, give or take. And (laughs) it was like, I just, I hopped on the bus and I could sit in any of the seats with these guys and just hear their stories 
And I loved baseball. I loved Husker baseball. And just to watch that magical journey to the College World Series. And then we came back in 02 and opened up Hawks Field. And so I got the bookends right there at the end of the buck and the beginning mm-hmm. of um, Haymarket Park. And getting to go to the College World Series with guys. Um, back to back, right? Back to back. And we had a good thing going on. And and just, I mean, I'm I'm the video guy. And I'm warming up and throwing and, you know, taking batting practice and living my, <laughs> living my best life, man. It was mm-hmm. it was quite a journey. Well, th- think about Bill Byrne there. You mentioned earlier talking about Husker Vision, kind of the visionary that he was. But how about baseball? I, I can very clearly remember in the, you know, it was towards the mid to late nineties. Uh, we're just joining the big 12. We weren't a great baseball program in the big eight. And now all of a sudden we're taking on four Texas schools and Iowa state drops baseball. And there was kind of a point. I, it was like, you know, when John Sanders is, is getting let go, do we, do we just end this thing and just dedicate our, our resources to other sports? I mean, what do you, Buck Belzer's a, you know, horrible facility, all that, you know, like, and, the, the foresight on Byrne to go out and hire this this guy from like northeast Louisiana was that was that where um, Van Horn was from to, to get Van Horn to come up here and then almost instantaneous success really I think by year two we were winning the conference tournament mm-hmm. and 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 then all of a sudden what's so funny with Husker fans is how quickly and I love this about Husker fans how quickly the expectations change. I mean, I didn't know what a baseball regional was until I was 20 years old. And then all of a sudden, you know, it just took a couple of years in a row. And it's like, we better make this every year. Oh, wait, we better go to the super regional. Oh, wait, so, you know, college world series are now, uh, you know, kind of starting to become a standard. Yeah. What? We aren't hosting a super regional. That's <laughs> what we do. Even though, yeah, three years before we didn't know what one was. <laughs> but we didn't know we were allowed in at least. DVH. Woo. He was the man. I mean, he still is at Arkansas. It's not as much fun now, but uh, he was the man. And Rob Childress and Mike Anderson, Kevin Cook, they was that was made this team. It was just like the stars aligned and got these guys. And they had this um, incredible ability to evaluate talent because everybody mm-hmm. was 5'9", 170. You couldn't see him walking off the bus. You had to know there's heart and there was soul and there was skills. And it was like just getting to know them. You wouldn't think that these are fearless dudes that'll battle. And it was just like inspiring to watch these guys all the time and just win and win. And Shane Comine, what a stud on the field and off. And and what an advantage it is to win every Friday night. Just knowing that you're starting the series with a W. It was huge. And I was along for the ride and it was glorious. Oh yeah. I remember one of the regionals or it maybe it was a super regional where he pitched on Friday and then came back and threw a few innings, even on Sunday, helping close a game and, and, you know, getting us to move on. You know, you mentioned uh, Van Horn and you mentioned Anderson and Childress and in this photo here, fourth from the left on the bottom, there's a, a very familiar face to Husker baseball fans today. And, and one of those five, nine, one sixty kids you're talking about, Will Bolt, uh, you know, do, do, any memories of, of him from the, his playing days, the, the early on time? Yeah. Willie B was a young DVH. You knew he was intense. He came out of Conroe, Texas, and he was ready to play. And 
Will, I don't think this surprised anybody who's ever known him that he was going to be a coach and he was going to be a high level, awesome coach too, because he, I don't remember him ever goofing around or being, you know, just, I mean, he was fun loving when the time was right, but he got after it and he was a leader on that team like nobody else. And so I'm so thrilled uh, that Will has had success already. And I can't wait for the next decade with him because it feels like some regionals and super regionals are going to come back to Lincoln one of these days. And Willie B will be the one leading the way. Yeah. You know, this year they had a down year, but I remember him saying at the end, it's like, he's never had a season like this before. This is, and he's not going to, he's not going to love this either. So, um, and there's a part, you know, we talked earlier about football and how great it was when we were in that kind of era. And I always feel for the young red casters out there that have just not had a chance to experience it yet. Cause when football was at its best, man, that is, and, and can we get back to, to any semblance of that? I absolutely, every fiber in my body believes that we can. And I, and I really hope we do. And when it is like that, it's so much fun. Baseball, man, the same way. When, when this time of year means something every year again, when you when you got a pit in your stomach in June and all the way through, and, and then when when we see the, the sea of red make it to Omaha, holy smokes. I mean, that is, that's just, it seems so inconceivable because it's been a while now, but um, that's why, you know, that's why I love getting a guy like Bolt back here. And I, I just think, you know, he really does have that Van Horn kind of philosophy down to how do you build the program and do everything. I mean, Right guy. Yeah, there's a really good chance that at 8.37 on Wednesday night, he he's doing something that has to do with making his uh, next Husker baseball team better. He That guy will work tirelessly to make sure that he does not have another losing season. I believe it with every fiber of my being, too. I know Husker baseball will be back, and it'll be sooner than later. Uh, one other guy that with every fiber in his, his body has given everything to this program is someone that we actually on the red cast about three weeks ago. And that is coach Tom Osborne. Uh, here's a photo of you. And is that Ricky Simmons with him? That's Ricky Simmons. He's uh, he's from the seventies. Good old number seven. Um, mm-hmm. Ricky was a speedster and I got to know him just a little bit back in the day, but more so this, uh, picture here was uh, me doing a a story on Ricky and he was um, he's a public speaker and he does a really nice job of going around and getting young people fired up and of course coach Osborne is always there to do anything for his former players like if Ricky says you know I need this chances are pretty good I think that coach Osborne will be there and I think every player will tell you that to this day, Tom Osborne is a backer of his, uh, of his players. Yeah. And that is something, you know, uh, my uh, colleague of mine, he was a uh, roommates in, in college with uh, Gerald Armstrong tied in from, from Ponca and Armstrong would tell him about like at the end of the year, they would do like a senior night and uh, with the coaches and Osborne would say that to all these guys, it didn't matter if you were the 180th player, the, the last walk on, on the team, or if you were the starter, it just didn't matter. Osborne would, would always talk about how 
I'll be there for you no matter what you need down the road. You need, uh, you know, you need a reference for a job. What, and in fact, even I've heard of examples of guys, you know, taking them up on that and career changing uh, moves that former players have made where coach Osborne was there helping and supporting them all along. And that, you know, when you have a coach that, that cares that deeply about people that just, you know, why these guys ran for played from the way they did, you know, why you hear Phil Ellis talk about that the way he did the, you know, and, and also even Christian Peter there where, you know, when he was referencing that uh, people were taking some cheap shots at Osborne and the press and everything, those guys, they took that personally and they wanted to play for their coach. Do you remember Tom's book, More Than Winning? Oh, geez. Yeah, I can look at it right now. It's over there. The I wall. had to reread that title over and over again. I, I didn't know there was a thing such as More Than Winning. What the heck is that? Mm-hmm. Turns out that... Uh, the, the doctor and Dr. Tom Osborne had it figured out. It's It was the journey. And mm-hmm. that's why we lost something like seven bowl games in a row, because it was about the journey. It was about building guys up and getting the most out of them. And Tom, he, he just proved that uh, the psychologist in him led us to the national championships because he did it the right way. It wasn't selling out and doing whatever he could just to get the right guys in the right place. He, he got guys in there and he built them up. And because it was more than winning, I really think that's why we turned out to be the championship teams that we were because of Tom's amazing uh, enlightening viewpoint on, you know, how he handles players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, there's a, you might've produced this video. It's one of those Husker vision ones where um, McBride was on it. And he was talking about how he walked into the locker room one time and Osborne's talking to the team and Osborne basically says something to the, essentially to the, the effect of like, we don't have to win this game. And McBride's like, what am I doing here? But, you know, again, two fifty five, forty nine, and three, um, he's a winner, you know, coach Osborne's a winner, but I've never really understood the idea. You know, I don't think a coach needs to go up there and, and scream. We need to win. You know what coach Osborne, I've seen him do talks before and it was all about, we need to set goals and we need to set lofty goals. And if we achieve those goals and we don't win, then you literally, you cheer as the, as the winner goes by. If you make, if you hit all the marks that, uh, that you want to going into the game, really that's success. And I think he felt that way after the Florida state loss, 18 to 16, you know, last second missed field goal. I mean, we did everything right or as close as we could to do it right. 17 and a half point underdogs. And he was genuinely proud of that team. And, if I think if his career would have ended then, I think he would have been satisfied personally. I really do. I mean, he, it, I don't think he felt that he was any better of a coach the second he started winning those titles, but it also was, you know, from, for, I guess his fans, it was certainly validation and and certainly well-earned. We had uh, Mike Babcock on uh, from Hale Varsity a couple of years ago when we were doing an audio only show and quick little plug, we've uploaded that audio show to YouTube. So you can, you can uh, listen to it, watch slash listen, uh, Husker History 101. And he talked about how Osborne's 25 years, that, again, revisionist history is that it's just this straight 25-year, you know, angle right up to the championships, this, you know, this glorious 25 years. And it's like, nah, anyone that lived went through it. You know, there was the Oklahoma losses in the 70s, and there's those bowl losses. It was always something, right? We couldn't win the big one. We we didn't throw it enough. How about that for run the damn ball guys right now? We didn't throw the ball enough back then, but you know what? He, he kept the course 
when he needed to make a change, he made a change. He'd make a change, but at, at the end, man, those last five years, I've I've never seen anything like it. And those, there's nothing Alabama or any of those teams right now are doing that that came close to what sixty and three was over those last five years. And you got to witness it all firsthand. You got to document it. Yes, I did, and uh, I don't take it for granted. It was a magical time. Gosh. Well, we've been talking about a lot of great Huskers. Let's get to question number three. Who are your all-time favorite Huskers? Buckle up, honky. I got a few <laughs> names for you. Okay. I'll take you back to before you were born in the 70s. And okay. when I was uh, just coming of age and kind of figuring out what this whole Husker business was all about, he was number 32, and he wore a tearaway jersey. And, and I, I still to this day, I can't believe you can even look up Isaiah Moses, Moses. Walter Hip, and he's alive. I didn't even, I thought it was just like this mythical creature out there. It's like, <laughs> he's a real dude. And he's probably number one, just that uh, faster than fast. You know, that that was back when the, the AstroTurf was kind of like green asphalt and it was mm-hmm. just like running wind sprints and, and that name, you know, just I am him. him. And he was a walk-on, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. Uh, he went on to play one play in the NFL, but it doesn't matter because he was my all-time favorite Husker. Mm-hmm. Another one not far behind, mm, Jarvis Redwine. Jarvis Number Redwine. 12. It was like, wow. I was into an eye. It was an eye back thing for me because Rick Burns was already in there too, number 35. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I knew these guys, that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be at the top of the eye and I wanted to be, you know, blowing through the middle and going around the end. And so I am Jarvis and Rick. We're always at the top of my list. Of course, when you're talking great names, uh, you have to go wonder Mons. Mm-hmm. He was, he was pretty awesome too. I, I just read today. It was interesting. Wonder. Um, he had a lot of sisters before him. So when he was born, his dad said, that is wonderful. So he got to be <laughs> Wonder Mons. Oh, I so love the hair too. He had the big Afro. Oh, yeah. I, I had a yep. playing card growing up. Yeah. So let's move into, into the eighties. That's when I got into high school and college and, and Roger Craig, number 33, you know, I was under the stadium behind the chain link fence, uh, North stadium way back when like, it was kind of crazy. The only time in my life when cigarette smoke smelled good was when it was in Memorial Stadium. <laughs> but I remember being down there ground level and seeing Roger Craig turn the corner and those knees were just pumping. It's like, that that needs to be me. So, I mean, I remember playing in actual football games thinking, ooh, run like Roger Craig. Get those knees high. Get those knees up. Yep. Yeah. And as we stated earlier, Irving Fryer and Mike Rozier pretty darn fun to watch as well. Moving into the 90s, Brooke Barringer, Corey Schlesinger, and Grant topped the list on the field. But here's what I'd like to share with you now. This is the the gloriousness of Husker Vision is that uh, I got to know a fair amount of these guys and at least, you know, hang out with them and get to know mm-hmm. their personalities and a lot of big-time personalities. Uh, tied in Sheldon Jackson. He's a Cali boy. And he just happened to love Husker Vision. I mean, he'd spend nights on the couch at Husker Vision just because it was a good place to hang. Tony Ortiz from a, a Connecticut. Connecticut. 
He was a stud. Russ Hopstein from Hardington. Hardington, yeah. And I'm from Falls City. I love the Kelsey brothers uh, from Auburn. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were awesome. Uh, Josh Heskew from Yukon. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. We oh my goodness. <laughs> Rob, if if Rob is still watching right now, we got to hang out with Josh Heskew after the spring game. You know, at the at the hotel at, at the Embassy Suites. And then we went across the street with him to gosh, we even have a photo on our Facebook really? page. I think it's pinned to it. It's it's Mike Josh Heskew and Rob and I. When Josh was Heskew. it? Uh, this would have been the spring game this year. Wow. And, we got to we I mean we got to talk to, talking with him for a couple of hours and then all of a sudden cool. he gets the text for the players only former players you know party across the street and he goes you're coming with us and we came with him so that's Excuse. oh dude that's cool. Excuse the man. Um, I was working for KNOP. Shout out to the North Platters mm-hmm. uh, back in uh, 1991. I got to meet Brendan Holbein and Big Chris Dishman. Kozan. They were studs. They won the state championship at COZAD. The Haymakers won Class B. And uh, so I got to follow our friendship to Lincoln and another. The Haymakers? Is that the name? COZAD Haymakers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, beat Elkhorn on the coldest day in the history of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, another athlete, oh, my gosh, Ryan Terwilliger. You know, he's a a grant guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he was fun. Uh, Dewan Gross from Ohio, mm-hmm. probably not far behind. Johnny Rogers is the all-time great punt returner for the mm-hmm. Huskers. Uh, another small towner, Matt Davison from Tecumseh. Tecumseh yeah. Everybody knows that personality. He's like, uh, I was in Kearney and got to meet uh, Monte Cristo, the mm-hmm. Count of Monte Cristo. And, uh, so that Carney boy, and then I'll finish it up with um, Quero, Texas native, Clint Finley. Mm-hmm. Stud, he loved Husker Vision, and he hung out there a lot, so got to know him. And so got to live vicariously through Clint sometimes because, you know, I could just – I was with him, and he talked through everything, practices and games, and it was fun to kind of build that uh, friendship early on. Mm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And yeah, you and I have, have shared a, a similar journey just in the last couple of months. Uh, I go up to see Dave in Denver uh, a couple times a year. And and on the way back, I uh, stopped in Goodland, Kansas. And one of the names that you mentioned, Brooke Berenger, a uh, couple of times now I've, I've gone up to the cemetery just to, I guess, just pay the honors, right? Pay, pay honors. And I got a text from you a week ago. You and uh, Mary went up to uh, Colorado as well. And you stopped in Goodland and and took the photo there and and sent it to me, texted it to me, and you were you, you know you're at Goodland doing the same thing. So very cool. Yeah, did my heart good. Oh, what a probably the well one of the saddest times ever. Mm. Getting ready for the spring game and to hear that. Oh, that was just that was just brutal. So I did. I've been wanting to go to Goodland for a long time. The, the home of Brooke Beringer and mm-hmm. it was, it was good to be there. And yeah, I hope to see him again someday. Absolutely. Let's move on to question number four, our last one. And how do you think the Huskers will do this next year? And so this is for the most part, anyone watching this, this is all Kool-Aid. Everything's Kool-Aid. 
up to now. But now you can you can say whatever you want, right? You can, you can continue with the Kool-Aid or you can you know if you have problems, whatever. You know, this is this is a safe space land. So Okay, Redcast Honky. I'm gonna <laughs> tell you, I'm going on record. It's all gonna turn around. And yeah, my my uh my glasses, they're a little rosy, but I really believe it. I figure I feel like Scott is figuring it out day by day, week by week, season by season. And I don't want to go too deep into Adrian Martinez. Mm -hmm. Anybody that cares knows he's a great kid. And when he was good, he was great. But it didn't feel like he was ever going to get us over the hump. It feels like it's a bold new world out there this year. And I really feel like the portal has been really good for the Huskers and I can't wait to get things started. And I know this has all been said before, but it's coming out of my mouth now. And that first game, game one, Northwestern in Ireland, it's so big. If we, if we get a W in Ireland, whew, we're on a roll because all of a sudden it's North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Obviously, OU, talented, but they lost a lot of people, and it's in Lincoln. And then, you know, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois. That feels doable. Like, so for if I feel like there's a world in which we can go seven and one. I mean, I'd, I'd put a lot of money, if I had a lot of money, <laughs> I'd put some money on the fact that we are going to you know, Vegas says seven and a half. Mm. I'm going to put money on that. I feel like a strong seven because before we get to November, you know, it feels like we could have seven by then. And um, so I'm going solid eight, solid eight wins. What do you, uh, what do you think? Well, you just made uh, Redcast Rob very happy. He, he thinks eight and four is the the floor, and I appreciate that about Rob. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rob, uh, are you single, Lance? Because he loves you, Rob. Um, <laughs> thanks, man. Means a lot. <laughs> Shelby seven and one. Yeah, Rob, take that honky, and uh, back to Amy here. This is the year. That's um, right, girl. You know, um, I, I think that Northwestern game, which you said, is that's the perfect way of saying it. We need to get off to a good start. And that was really, I guess, you know, to be critical, that was the 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 pain of last year was the Illinois game was the same, had that same meaning. And, you know, we're going to go to Champaign and play a, a team that's being coached in their first game by uh, Bielema. You know, we should have that advantage. And, and it just it was not our best performance. I'll put it that way. Um, I joke number of times we we lost a redcaster Mac after that game. He was just like, I'm I'm, I'm done. He's he's come back for a couple of shows. It's amazing what Damon Benning and Tom Osborne will do to bring you back to uh to the Redcast. But um, but you know, the the thing is that first game is so important, it's crucial, and we need to build momentum. And that is something Frost has also said in the past. The we haven't ever gotten the momentum really built the way that that we need. And that starts by, you know, the team has to do their job. We have to go to Ireland and, and come back with that W. But if we do, you know, imagine what Lincoln is going to be like. I mean, I'm already, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. And, and 
I shouldn't just check mark North Dakota and Georgia Southern, but the point is we really do need to be three and O when Oklahoma comes to town. Mm-hmm. And that feeling that we talked about earlier, you know, for younger red casters and what it was like back in the day. Imagine, I'm just going to imagine a three and O Nebraska team, Lance, imagine 11 o'clock national TV, Fox, Joel Klatt and the whole group is here. And imagine what that feeling of Memorial stadium is going to be like at kickoff. And then instead of worrying about it being an 11 o'clock game, you know, and I get why Husker fans are, we've been, we've had so many of these now where you lose and then you have, you have the whole day to stew about no, 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 no. We're in positive zone for a second. We're in positive land. Imagine that. Imagine playing a great game against Oklahoma, a team that beat us by one score last year in Norman, and we win that game. Imagine what what Lincoln. Imagine what downtown Lincoln's going to be like. I just, uh, Kathy and I just got our first season tickets in in almost two decades. We just got them picked or bought yesterday, and uh, so I'll be down there obviously for that game. And I mean, I, I won't leave downtown Lincoln for probably until Tuesday if we win that. You know. <laughs> It's about momentum. We need to get to some momentum. There is some momentum right now going on in the offseason. That's that's fun. I mean, we've had some some good gets out of the, the transfer portal and everything. Hopefully it all pans out. I mean, I I am I'm very optimistic, not hopefully not just foolishly optimistic, but I'm I'm optimistic in the fact that I like the direction that the program is heading in and, and the moves that have been made. But I get it. There's gonna be Husker fans that say I've heard that before too, and and they have heard that. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, too, uh, purchased some season tickets, so that'll give you a little idea where <laughs> I'm at. Uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. I feel like Scott Frost, it, it's there. It, it's starting to feel more like central Florida, like got the right coaches in the right places and we're figuring it out. And it just feels like Casey Thompson, He's feeling clutch. We need consistency at quarterback. We need that touch right when you need it, that dump pass. It doesn't have to be Drew Brees. Those dump passes that keep the chains moving. And it just feels like we've we've gotten to that point. Obviously, I think Chins, that's a decent – that's a more than decent. It's a great defensive coordinator. So I feel like we don't need to worry a whole lot about uh, defense it's like the offense i feel like that's where we can make some strides and holy moly you know we brought in some studs at wide receiver it feels mm-hmm. like we're going to have some weapons and uh and it's all about confidence mm-hmm. last last year we didn't have any and look what happened we start building that confidence early on and who knows who knows what can happen yep get it rolling and special teams that that last part where which have not been special the last few years unfortunately now with Bill Bush leading the charge there uh the transfer portal has been very helpful there with the new punter new kicker we've had a a, a deep snapper come in and then also you know we bring in Trey Palmer return man from LSU who already has D1 experience returning punts and kicks for touchdowns that's a start hopefully this is you know, look, there's there's no guarantees, but I mean, those are the moves I would have hoped we'd make if you'd have talked to me back in October, and November. We've made them, so that's all I can that's all I can hope for. Yeah. And Rob is uh his heart's going 100 miles an hour right now. He's flushed. So, <laughs> and Shelby says, "Are you free to make more psych up videos?" Ha ha. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's a that's a good way of doing this. So, yeah. um, Lance, you know. I guess I usually like to try to end our shows. There's always some kind of shared connection that, that we have with our guests. 
And you have a very special shared connection uh, with myself and, and Kathy. Uh, when I proposed to Kathy, I wanted to, you know, you got to do something special, right? Everyone's got to do something that's, that's unique and, and that kind of speaks to them. And in my case, it was, well, I can only think of one place I, that I'd ever want to propose. And that's right at Memorial Stadium. It's at the 50-yard line. But uh, back in 2002, I didn't exactly have keys to the stadium, but I knew somebody that was still working there. So I gave you a call up and, uh, you know, you and I got a little mischievous and uh, we we tricked Kathy into telling her that we we're going to do a big Husker, uh, big, you know, big Memorial Stadium tour. You you led us all around and then trying to, you know, think of all the remember it all. But you took us down to the to the stadium or to the field level. And then like you you dropped me off kind of right at the mm-hmm. <laughs> right at the end zone and said, hey, I've, oh, I've got a meeting. I got to do something. So earlier when you said you were the only person in the the country to be listening to, to coach Osborne talking on the mics. I'm pretty sure you're the only person in the country to, to have watched me uh, take a knee at the 50 yard line. Is that safe to say? Yeah. I'm so proud to say that, uh, yeah, it's a small, but very elite group. And I did, I've gotten to do a lot of cool things, you know, throughout my Husker career, but Matt, you know, hooking up that Husker love for my buddy, that's gotta be one of the big ones. Like, you know, to see you out there and getting down on the knee on the big end. Wow. Doesn't get better than that. That's so cool. And Kathy, what a wonderful woman. Been a great marriage built on that Husker love. You know, I, and I like to think, I hope, you know, I look pretty cool and suave walking out there, right? I mean, it was, mm. I look like a pro, mm. but I don't know if I ever told you the story of what I actually said, because I, I wrote down this list and, and, what I was writing down was like, you know, I've never met someone like you before. I've never, you know, it was this beautifully written thing, but of course I'm, as I'm writing it, I'm nervous. And then as, as I'm trying to read it, I'm nervous. So as it came out, we started walking out there and I started saying, I've met someone else like you. And I said a few more things. I just, I kept digging a hole a little deeper. And by the time I was like, where is the inn at? And how do I, how do I get to this place, get a knee down there? And then, you know, hopefully, you know, put it on the right finger and whatever, and just, you know, but she said yes. And, uh, uh, she said, she's one lucky girl. I'm very, I'm one lucky guy that gets to keep doing this. So, uh, it, it was very cool. So, yeah. um, she actually reiterated, Kathy just said she's one lucky girl and who can argue with that? You know, uh, this has been a ton of fun. I, it really has. Oh, and by the way, and, and one of the names you mentioned, Clint Finley, he was the first person, I think, to congratulate us other than you afterwards as we started to walk back into West Stadium. He just happened that day. He was uh, it was in February, and he had just gotten picked up, I think, by the Chiefs that day. Oh, yeah. And so he he came over, and you talked to him for a few minutes, and then you said, yeah, this is Matt and Kathy, and Matt just proposed. And, he, and I remember that, that Texas draw, and he shook my hand, and, oh, congratulations, and I was well, the terrible Texas draw on my part, but whatever. Congratulations. And, and that was, uh, that was it. You know, it was, I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, Clint Finley, uh, was the first one to, to give us that congrats. So very cool. Well, Matthew, I really, really appreciate this opportunity. I've met a lot of big time Husker fans, never met a bigger one than you. So for you to, uh, invite me on here and talk about one of our favorite things in life, you know, and I, it's been great watching the, the Go Big Redcast grow and the fan forum. I mean, to be on here, it does mean a lot. I appreciate you thinking of me. Oh, and this is exactly, you are exactly the type of fan that, that I wanted when I started thinking about doing the fan forum. 
and and for other redcasters out there that are that are interested i mean we want to tell stories interesting stories of of so many great husker fans out there and lance i mean you certainly fit the bill there this was a ton of fun i love the the walk down memory lane that we went through and uh it just it, it's really cool to get to connect like this and uh hopefully we'll be able to connect a little bit more here now that uh, we're both getting stadium or tickets for the season so uh, yeah it'd be great to catch up as we get into the to the season too well, I most certainly have been very, very lucky to have gotten to do this. And I went on after Husker Vision 17 years at 1011 News and got to do 831 editions of Lance's Journal. And you can imagine if there's an opportunity to do a Husker-related story, I was doing it. I don't even know. Surely 50 of those stories were on Big Red Fandom. So uh, my red blood, it runs deep. Countless occasions. How many times did I tell you you had the coolest job in the world? I mean, you got to go around Nebraska and tell those stories. And we could do an entire sep- second episode just talking about Lance's journal. I think that's one of the the coolest things. It was always, and I was always so proud to tell people that I knew Lance and and uh, and you did such an awesome job with that. Ten Eleven was, you know, that that was great what you did with them. And and I'm from Columbus originally. We're a Ten Eleven family, so oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Good people over there. Well, thank you, Redcasters. Hopefully you enjoyed this as well. And just, uh, you know, keep keep watching. And who knows, you might be the next one to join us on the forum. GBR. GBR.